Hello, everyone. Welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. I'm Samantha Rochefort, and this is episode 52. Ah! Happy birthday it. to us. <laughs> oh, my God. Is it is it the is 52 the birthday or would next week be the birthday? I I, I, I don't know. Yeah. Eh, we should probably check the publication date. I was going to say episode. we should check the pu- publication date for sure. <laughs> let's just let's just celebrate it right now. Like, yeah, this is, we I'm can down. celebrate I'm when happy. we want, right? <laughs> I'm joined God. tonight by Christina Warren, senior tech correspondent at Mashable.com, and Brianna Wu, head of development at Giant Space Cat, and we are having a party. We are having a party. So technically, our first episode was published on January 19th. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay, so we've How got, does a, so we got, we got a little bit of time, but hey, it's still 52 episodes, and that's a year, so I think it's it's celebration regardless. No, yeah. it's awesome. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> There's some, uh, uh, you know, numbers are intimidating sometimes to me time time passes in ways that are fast and slow and i don't understand quite how it works but i'm very happy and excited the number 52 is great i have to say like the success of this show has just been like i had expectations but i mean you know and not just like ratings or you know all of that kind of stuff but just the fun i have every single week like this is absolutely one of the things i look forward to the most heck yeah same it has been so awesome i i it's great that we have kept it going and i i feel like i have made wonderful friends in you <laughs> yes i was and in the people say, on twitter no totally if, no i was just gonna if say if you're ever in jail simone like christine i would totally we will totally bail you out, out. we would testify at your trial we will. okay we would we would you know listen like, i know how this is gonna go i'll be in jail yeah. you're gonna bring right? the tank yep. that right. you are renting for frank <laughs> yes you're gonna yes. bust me out we will drive to canada where mm-hmm. i imagine they'll give us amnesty because they're because huge huge fans right. of the show up and up in right. canada <laughs> Up in the wild and of, of warfare and tanks. Yes, and Christina that too. will invariably say something to like the guards as we're breaking you out that will get me thrown in jail. So we'll have to call. Uh, <laughs> Bust no, you I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> I hear Canada's motto is a tank for every family. I think a that is. With their, I mean, they have enough. Look, they have enough real estate for it. I mean, they're what thirty million. There are thirty million people in the country, and it's got like this massive surface area and like forest and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Like, and it's just mostly people in the coastal places. So we could go up into like the mountains and stuff, or like the prairie land. We could just go to the Yukon. Yeah, let's Start go to the a Yukon. Fortress of solitude. Oh my god! Yeah, let's totally create like a rocket fortress of solitude in the Yukon. All right. I like it. All right, I so like it. Now you all know right, what you can do. Retirement plan all in effect. We're, we're going to do that. It's going to be all there. It's going to be great. <laughs> it's going to be excellent. How <laughs> am I going to get on the Forbes top 30 under 30 if we all get arrested and then run away to Canada with the tank? Like that that that's what's been on my mind today, especially ever since I learned that Palmer Lucky is 23, which I thought like he was at least my age. No. No, he's like my little brother's age, which is impressive i'm so impressed and happy <laughs> i'm happy about that <laughs> i i i loved what jessica valenti tweeted about that she's like congratulations to everyone on the 30 under 30 list and here's a reminder that death comes for everyone <laughs> 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 like, that's why i love you jessica valenti you're awesome that is my sentiment exactly <laughs> except i've got like five years left to, to right? try to get on it so right you know. Well, you step it up. Let's I know. See, let's see you do it. Let's see you Spend do the it. next year schmoozing, making friends schmoozing? at yeah. Forbes. <laughs> Forbes? <laughs> oh. Anyway. 
So I have a very quick thing I want yes. to do before the show starts today. So, uh, you know, uh, Simone, last show you were talking about taking uh, Christina and I's Southern heritage. So what I would like to hear mm. you say is the phrase, root out some varmint. <laughs> I would like to hear you say that phrase because uh, I know Christina can say it and I will believe that she grew up in Atlanta but I want to see if you can say it plausibly. I just can't believe that you're, uh, this is such a stereotype. Like no, you're asking me to talk about varmints? I, Aunt varmints? varmints? No, it's varmints <laughs> singular. Right. I, I'm not you know, really sure how the Washington girl has a weird accent of sorts, but yes, that right, kind of works. Yeah. What's yeah, the what's yeah. the sen- like? Okay, just just root out some varmint, or do you want me to like work it into a? <laughs> no, a it's just it's just it's not working. It's not working. It's not. So uh, I'm yeah, sorry. My friend a- from Alabama told me right? that y'all can be said by anyone. It is <laughs> yeah. ubiquitous now. Y'all is ubiquitous, right. and we have a Twitter to prove it. We made do by a good a Samaritan. Y'all for all. What's their website Twitter. associated with it? Y'all what for all. It? They created it based on our based on our ad read last week. Oh, that's mm-hmm. awesome. Mm-hmm. That's, that's awesome. the best thing in the that's entire awesome. world. I was like so excited. I was like, oh my god, this mm-hmm. is everything ever. Yeah, I love perfect. the tweets they've been sending us. They're like so positive. It's <laughs> like, yeah, I like this person. No, yeah, I like because this when you too. believe that anyone can say the word y'all and belong in that world, then you are a all good right. and positive and happy person. So all you know. Right. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I I love that they created the account. Like, don't be wrong. I think that's great <laughs> even though they're world. your enemy, technically, they're not my enemy. I just disagree with them about y'all for all. I just I right. think y'all for okay. none. But but yeah. <laughs> y'all for none is is basically like uh is basically my philosophy. But I do you totally all for understand. all and y'all for none. Uh, yeah, I don't do you all either. I I I actually really hate that. But and I know this is problematic for a lot of people. I prefer you guys. Yeah. At I this point too. I feel like guys is kind of like it's kind of like collective <laughs> and it's kind of like you know, it can be ungendered. Mm-hmm. But that's I, the thing I about know y'all, it gets me it on a list of bad feminists same, same. but I just use it. I just use it and don't care. Same. Like, that's how I feel. I'm know, like I'm like right, so yeah. I'm a bad feminist. Uh, put, right. me, put me in, in Roxanne Gay the same thing because we're I'm okay with that. I'm fine yeah. with that too. If I can be on any list with right. Roxanne Gay, I'm actually okay with that. So should we talk about CES? This we, week? Should. Eh, we should. You know, yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> Do we I want mean, to start with so uh yeah, okay. Yeah, the consumer electronics show is happening. It's no longer called the consumer electronics show. They actually got rid of the acronym, it's now just CES and it's no longer the Consumer um, um, Electronics Association, the CEA. It's now the uh, CTA. Like they've changed uh, their whole thing because they're trying to become. Well, go, here's what's happened. They've basically figured out that nobody really cares about them as much as a tech show, and it's become a kind of a car show and increasingly kind of a digital entertainment show, sort of because those are the people they can sell booth space to, and um, tech companies tend to not care as much because they're like, well, why don't we just hold our own event and get all the press coverage rather than paying you millions of dollars for a booth? Um, I mean, you still have big stuff happening, but a lot of times it tends to be like car tech has been one of the bigger trends. And then you, okay. it's less of a focus on like, like Samsung doesn't launch a phone at CES. Apple is yeah. never at CES. Microsoft is no longer at CES, you know, so you've, it's anyway, sorry, didn't mean to The to meaningless digest. acronym show. Yes, that's exactly <laughs> it. I mean, I mean, do you think CES is a powerhouse that it, it used to be? Because no. I remember in, you know, the nineties and nils, like this would happen. It was a really, really big event. I mean, you would really look forward to the news that week and, and 
I just, I don't know, maybe it's because I feel like there's so many conferences throughout yep. the year now, but between TGS and, you know, GDC, like there's just stuff that is far more relevant to the, you know, my segment of the industry that yes. I don't really pay attention mm-hmm. to it. No, you're dead on. And it's funny because, you know, E3 originally actually started as part of CES and, and they were, E3 was like a little mini show like within CES and then it became its own thing. Um, and, and that obviously, you know, then birthed the other kind of game conferences and game things, you know, they all are kind of like children of what, what E3 was in its heyday. I think that CES is, I mean, I'm not going to say it's irrelevant cause that's not fair. And, and, no, and, no, no. and, and, and that's, that's glib for me to say that, but it is one of those things where I think its relevancy has waned a lot. Again, for kind of the reasons I said, like a lot of times I think that. Uh, Michael Gartenberg actually wrote a really great article for, for iMore today. Um, he used to be at Apple. He was most recently at Apple, and he was at uh, Jupiter um, uh, Research and some other places, and, and I think the Gartner Group. And um, he was kind of commenting about how it was, you know, a big trade show in, like, the 80s and kind of a, a place where consumer tech was launched. You know, it's where the CD player was first shown off in DVD and HDTV. And, um, you know, certain devices, I think like the the Commodore Amiga, like there there were certain sort of products that would be shown off at CES and it would be like this big moment and you could kind of see future trends. But what's happened, you know, in recent years is that that's kind of gone away. Again, because I think that what happens is that a you've had on the gaming software side you have these much better conferences and, and these more specialized things that can focus on that because when you're focusing on so many hundreds and thousands of different types of products and companies it's hard to really be focused in on anything and then mm-hmm. I think the secondary thing is that again when the big companies kind of realize because of Apple's success you know Apple can basically get a new cycle or two by itself and do its own events um, other companies are taking note and saying why should we share the the stage time? with with our competitors why don't we just have our own thing and mm-hmm. um because it costs a lot of money to go to ces you know you got to get the booths you got to get the space you got to like staff it up and and it's it's not cheap and it's a lot of work and in the age of social media um you know the payoff isn't as huge as it used to be so what started to happen is that and, and i'm finding the exact quote because what he wrote was really good um finding this um this was Michael Gartenberg for, for um, uh, iMore. He wrote this. It's like CES started as a trade show for retail. In the 80s and 90s, it was a venue for great technology intros such as the CD, the DVD, and HDTV. By 2000, CES was the place to launch major products such as the Xbox. When I look at this year's show, I see a lot of things no one needs and a few people will want. Um, and, f- and few people will want. It's a sharper image catalog brought to life. The ultimate why? Because I can. So why is it still an important event? It's the place to try and spot the new new thing that might uh, get consumers to replace the old, old thing. So far, I don't see it, yeah. but here's what I do see. And I think he's dead on. At this point, it is kind of yeah. a sharper image catalog. I think that the one exception where it is kind of has the potential to make a comeback is in the car space because they have done a really good job um, kind of bringing the auto community in and getting them to show off stuff. The The problem with that is that I, I think until we get into more electric car stuff, I don't know the broad consumer appeal. So you're not, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, people care about cars, but it's not going to be quite the same thing as where like everybody was excited, like, you know, the Xbox or, um, you know, uh, uh, the an HGTV or like the, the next big thing on that end. You know, the Palm yeah. Pilot was, was released at CES. I don't know if, if that's going to be oh, the sort of God, thing. Oh, God, I remember that. Um, Oh my God! So most of the stuff. Oh, 
Yeah. No, it was Most just of the they, stuff no, that I see ahead. in headlines and stuff is like the, the fridge cam, which is yes, it's funny amazing. and interesting, but it's still not, it's not like that blockbuster no. item that everyone but, is But there's be also stuff over. like our, like our first um, story that we're going to talk yes. about with the Faraday. You yes. know, like this is a really good place for them to unveil at CES because they undoubtedly won the Buzz Award at CES. Oh, totally. Like, that's mm-hmm. all I saw people talking about. Oh, they so, won. They won the like, back breaking to the car through subject. that space. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So I don't know. I think if you're like a, a Samsung or an LG, like, you know, to be able to, if, if you're a staple to kind of say like, hey, here are our cool products for the year. And, you know, you kind of have it budgeted in there where, you know, you need to have a presence, you need to be bringing out new products, you need to show that you're still relevant and you can compete. Um, I think that's really interesting. I think uh, mm-hmm. The Verge had an interview with Sony talking about how, you know, market share wasn't necessarily their mission at this point. And I think well, that's a good I, thing I think was, they're not winning. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, spin. But I'm saying that's a, a valuable time to be able to communicate that to people, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that yeah, the, like like you said, Brie, the first thing we're going to talk about is the Faraday Future oh. FF01, which is a concept electric car that uh, debuted at uh, CES in a, a a show that reminded me because I've been watching Parks and Rec a lot actually of you know when Tom Haverford starts his entertainment company in like season three four and they have all these. Entertainment like, 720, they, yes. Entertainment 720, and that they have that beautiful white office, like full of flashing lights, and and the girls sitting music. in 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 the, in the um uh, balls that are literally doing nothing. They're just yes. to have, I love them so much, just on iPads. I love that. I don't mean to the, make the, this. A, hmm. I don't mean to make this harsh a comparison, but it did remind me of that. It was very very showy, very fantastic. So this car is gorgeous. It looks like a Batmobile, and it actually has basically tunnels going through it and um an which is legit that has super legit aerodynamic capabilities i would would guess seemingly unsafe to me unsafe really i mean impact wise why would you say that i would say that because i feel like cars are solid bodies of metal for a reason and that is that when Uh they crash into things if they should crash into things they should protect you and not not have holes in them although i suppose if it would if it crushed it wouldn't crush on you though it would crush into that air i mean it's a hypercar right like uh so i'm guessing of all of us on the show i'm probably the the car person i will agree with that i would say i'm certainly not i do not have a driver's license so i'm not in any way like knowledgeable i mean i I drive a junk heap so this car is very interesting because like the the tesla the batteries are the heaviest component right so they put that lowest in the car so if you're designing a car uh the most maneuverable cars are mid-engine cars because that's the heaviest thing if you keep it in the center of the car then can distribute the power to all four wheels equally so with this it follows tesla's design where you have most of the weight set very low Mm -hmm. so you can put the the person like kind of in the middle of the cockpit a hyper car is a very specific class of car that is not meant to be driven by consumers i mean you can but it's not really the point is to mm-hmm. go like break track records and show technology and the idea here is that they're going to um you know it's like any other car company like honda will put out a car and then that technology <clears throat> Excuse me. It uh, like filters down through their yes. line. So what makes this technology interesting that they're working on is I think we would all agree, probably, that automotive technology has absolutely stagnated mm-hmm. as far as innovation. And you know, the reason I haven't bought a car in the last 15 years isn't because 
I don't like cars is because I don't see a point because they're not doing anything that's interesting to me. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I'll keep driving my crappy Honda Accord. What they're doing is they're kind of, um, to really oversimplify it, they're putting all the guts on the bottom. And it's going to be the engine and, uh, you know, the the batteries of the car. And then you can kind of alter how many batteries and, and this little bit of configuration. And then what goes on top of the car can be much more variable. So if you want to design like a family sedan, you don't have to completely design everything if you want, say, a sports car. And they're like engineering uh, and like reusable mm -hmm. parts that you can you can have to make it more efficient. So um, yeah, their their long range plans, man, isn't to get you in this particular sexy hypercar. It's to develop of this technology and like uh, like Tesla did, like eventually bring a model, um, you know, model, you know, S or you know, all these different consumer versions of it. Okay, yeah, their design chief Richard Kim did an interview with uh, I'm I, I think it was CNN where he's the quote was he's they they want to bring cars up to speed with basic consumer electronics, which is so so necessary and definitely I think where cars need to go because they haven't changed in so long and I think that's something we actually talked about in our very first episode. So this is yeah, weirdly circular. Yeah. <laughs> I I's again I am not. The car expert, as you so rightly pointed out, it is a very sexy car. It is also, I mean, it looks to me incredibly impractical and sexy. And I know that's the point because it's they're putting out what they can do and the te where yeah. they can go. Yeah, yeah with, their, car. with their right. concept. Yeah. No, here's my question: How much do we believe they actually have this stuff done? Because <laughs> what they're showing off, I mean, it looks great, but it also seems like there seems to be a certain smoke and mirrors component to this too. Yep. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, you know, they said in the press conference talking about how like 18 months ago, they didn't even really exist, how their factory right. is just opening today. This is, and this is, I'm yes. looking, yeah, yeah, I'm looking at some of their technology, like people have been trying to do build HUDs into motorcycle helmets for a really long time, which is helpful. Like think if you're cruising around on a motorcycle and you've got like safety gloves on, you can't exactly fiddle with a map or answer a phone or like if you're lost, look for directions. So this is a technology that a lot of motorcycle people would enjoy. Um, they've been trying to get that right for a long time. So they can show this super sexy concept. I'm like, I'll believe that when, you know, like they give it to Chris Ziegler and he reviews it. And right. he says this really works. You know what I mean? Yeah. And Fortune had a big piece uh, that you linked to us, Bree, about how they're probably going to start selling in China rather than here. Not with the concept car, but it's it's such a, an interesting. I don't know the the whole car thing to me is it's hmm. Just say it. What's up? I don't. I'm trying to formulate my words. I'm sorry. I'm also very tired today. <laughs> I I I I'm interested in what they're doing just because. I a I like the idea of manufacturing things in America and um, improving exports and things like that, but it is still it is very I don't trust a company that pops up after Tesla's been working on this for years and years and shows off a very sexy car and has big dreams and that's probably very cynical of me and it probably comes from the space that does not entirely understand cars and manufacturing and things like that, but. 
I mean, that's kind of why the whole Entertainment 720 comparison was the thing that first came to my mind because I was like, okay, this looks like somebody who's having a lot of fun putting on a show, but no, I you're, really don't know. you're completely right to yeah. be very suspicious here, Smith. Like, you're dead on. Like, they can, you know, when you design cars like this, you put in an AutoCAD, and yeah, like, the airflow ideas are cool, and yeah, they built a concept. But like, and Christine, back me up on this. If you look at the history of concept cars, how many actually go into yep. production, it's, it is a fraction oh, of a yeah. fraction. Yeah. No, because that's, so, that's not what they're designed right. for. I mean, the idea is, A, right. it gets it gets you hype which can get you money, which can be important, um, you know, uh, it, it, you know, depending on what type of company it is, um, and get people really, you know, psyched about the car, get orders for your other cars. But yeah, I mean, it, it might be like a precursor for something that might come down the line. But yeah, it's not going to be very few of them ever hit the market. And for good reason. I mean, you know, you don't really necessarily want one of those on the road. Even even as like a high end like supercar, you know what I mean? Like it just it wouldn't necessarily make sense. Well, that's why they, but there's a reason to do the high-end supercar first. So, like, there are certain models of Ferraris that you cannot go buy no matter how much money you have. You have to get invited to go buy them. Yep. And that puts them in a very, a very certain class where they don't have to go uh, undergo crash testing, which is an extremely laborious, very, very, very expensive process that's all about safety. So here they can start bringing these concepts forward. They can have the hype of a sexy car, but they don't have to do things like figure out what the heat tolerances are in the, in the joints as it's used over 10 years to make sure it doesn't fall apart and get people killed. Like it's a very pragmatic consideration. So as you're moving towards that really, you know, like hardcore consumer version, that's when you have to get to the very highest tolerances of engineering. Because we've all seen the video where like the Tesla starts driving off the road and it's scary as hell, Mm -hmm. right? So, you know, um, you're right to be suspicious. But I also have to say, I think there's a lot of innovation that can be done in this space. I care a lot more about motorcycles than I do about cars. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like there's a ton of innovation to be done over there with electric motorcycles. And it's like we need people in the space shaking it up. And, you know, so I will welcome people besides Tesla, you know, working here. I have a question for you, but first, I'm going to let everyone know that this episode of Rocket is brought to you by Braintree, code for easy online payments. If you're a mobile app developer, check out Braintree. Braintree is the payment solution used by companies like Uber, Airbnb, Hotel Tonight, Living Social, and Munchery. Braintree has made the payment experiences in these apps seamless and magical, and now you can add similar experience to your own app. With excellent customer service and simple integration, Braintree gets you ready to receive payments quickly. Braintree's continuous support plus fast payouts means you'll be prepared as your company grows from your first dollar to your billionth. Braintree is also helping solve the problem of mobile cart abandonment by offering a best-in-class mobile checkout experience, and they make payment experiences in some of your favorite apps seamless and magical. Now you can add similar experience to your own apps. Braintree gives you a full-stack payment solution, support for all payment types your customers might want, including PayPal, Apple Pay, Bitcoin, Venmo, cards, and more, all with a single integration. It is with you across all platforms with superior fraud protection and their fantastic customer service and fast payouts. To learn more and for your first $50,000 in transactions fee-free, go to braintreepayments.com rocket. Thank you so much, Braintree, for sponsoring our 50-second episode. (laughs) 
Feels good. It does feel good. <laughs> God, Simone, you, I I can't even believe how good you are at Adrian. I, I just love can't. the sound of my own voice, Brianna Wu. You are. It's like I've heard you talk about Braintree so many times. Every time you do it, I'm like. I should be using Braintree. Uh, that's how I feel. Like, like, it doesn't I, have I, anything to do you? with our company. I'm like, but, I have yeah. nothing to, to use Braintree for, yet I want to use it. Make right. a shopping app and use it. Just, just I don't know, sell sell your dog's hair or something. I don't have a dog. Use Brain. Brianna has four. You can borrow I, one. I three. <laughs> three, four, three, 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 four. Dogs. I don't remember how many dogs you have. You have three. <laughs> My question is... How does does that technology that people that um people develop for cars filter down to motorcycles or is it a completely different process? Well, it's uh, I mean, it's like figuring the way engineering works at that level is it's all about fail rates, mm-hmm. right? Like you have something that's like um in automotive technology, like a failure rate of a part that was like one in a hundred thousand events like would be completely unacceptable mm-hmm. because you're talking about people's lives. So a really good example, uh, my motorcycle is a 2009 Honda CBR 600 RR. The feature I bought it for is anti-lock brakes. So I started figuring this out in uh, Honda Accords in their, their race car technology, right? The, the, the very specific technology my motorcycle has. So it like started in the, I think it was the NSX, right? Mm-hmm. And then it like filtered down through the Accords and then they took this same technology and started figuring out how to make it with Honda motorcycles. You can look at that with, uh, you know, other, other um, like variable valve timing things that Honda does in their engines. So it's it's really i mean it's not complicated it's like you figure out how it works in one thing and then you 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 use it on wider technologies it's very similar to what apple does right mm-hmm. like they'll they'll bring out a technology in something that is kind of smaller it's not going to be a big hit and then they bring it to their entire line so um i don't know um i i'm excited to see where it goes all right cool should we move on to the other things that are coming Let's, out of CES? We could do it. Yeah, Christina, you're just not that into cars. Like, I, you're usually so into <laughs> everything. It's no, just well, not your thing. Well, yeah. I lo- what I love about cars, I like the electric car stuff. I just, I yeah. truly don't know enough about engines to really be able to comment, like, uh, adequately about it. Um, I, I just I just don't have enough knowledge. But but I like what electric cars, self-driving stuff, I think that's interesting. And if I'm being totally honest, I think that, like me, I get super excited about all the different platform stuff in terms of, like, the the UI and, like, the in-dash system stuff that, that that's taking place, you know? Um, yeah, if it's the stuff that the, the people are touching and interacting yes. with that's more of a comfortable space if it's like what is the bo- what is inside the body of the car how is it functioning on I, the road I, I, there, I love i'm learning. like wow I, you are you are really on top of something there <laughs> yeah no i love learning and, and listening to it i just i don't know a lot yeah, about definitely. it but, but but i'm definitely more like when it comes to like the, the the software that's actually powering you know the interface i think that that's really interesting and and you know there at this point you know there's airplay there's carplay um uh, QNX or, or uh, QNX, um, which, which is owned by BlackBerry, runs a lot of these kind of underlying systems. You know, Tesla has a Linux base. Um, Faraday is talking about having their own like platform of sorts for car stuff. And like a lot of people think that'll be like the next big platform war will be what sort oh. of operating system and what sort of, you know, underlying software is running all that stuff. And I think that that's a good point because one of the main reasons we did, uh, Lance Ulanoff, um, my colleague did a big feature kind of profiling and talking to a lot of Tesla owners. And a lot of them, one of the, the selling points in addition to obviously, you know, the, the, the Tesla-ness of it was actually kind of the UI and the fact that like oh. the way that the dash is 
compelling is, is really good. And before Ford messed things up with their MyTouch um, system, you know, the Ford Sync before it, it really turned into a bad problem for them because the, the when they tried to create a touch control version, it didn't work well. Um, and they had to actually switch software providers. They had to switch from using Microsoft's um, software to using um, uh, Cunix. Um one of the, that was one of the main selling points when, when they would like interview customers, like more than 50%, like one of the main reasons people were buying an, a Ford was for the, the, the Ford sync technology, because that's the sort of stuff that to me is, is kind of separate. Like, you talk about how there hasn't been a lot and you're right. There hasn't been a lot of innovation on the car technology side, unless we're talking about electric cars, you know, mm-hmm. in engines have basically, we've, we've kind of, you know, perfected how that sort of thing can work. And we've, you know, there, there are, obviously minute changes and, and um, efficiencies that can happen, but for the day in, day out, you know, what you're driving with your, you know, your Accord Brie and, and what's being sold today aren't demonstrably different. What is no, different is, is, is the, is the software like on the inside, you know, like being able to kind of bring up, you know, maps instantly being able to have, you know, kind of um, touch sensitive controls or voice activated things, having 4G hotspots. Um, and as someone who's primarily a passenger in a car and does not drive, that to me is a lot more fascinating um, kind yeah. of to see where that but next you know level what's goes. really interesting about that like all of the direction that our industry has really taken since 2008 with the iphone you know it has so much to do with touch screen and yep. like and like ui stuff what is so interesting to me about when you you get into a car you drive a motorcycle is none of what we're currently working on works in a car like let me give you a really small example in my cord you can, if you want to change the temperature of the car, you reach out and you turn this little knob right. and set, um, you know, you turn it. And there's this sublime little click with every single degree. So if it's 77 degrees and you want to get to 80, like you can be driving and touch this wheel that's in a very intuitive place and you feel each one of the three clicks. That's a knobbiness and like a, you know, it's the most mm-hmm. unapple thing in the world. Or think about like your your turn, uh, you know, your lane uh, change switch, you know, showing up and down. And then you've got your, you know, windshield wiper controls on the stalk. Like it's ugly as hell, right? <laughs> but it's very functional. Right. That you can sense what everything is intuitively and feel it. And there's this wonderful force feedback with it. Like the difference in a in a um you know a, a lower end car and a BMW is the feel of every single switch is yes. just amazing. So I think it's really mm. interesting that yes the operating system technology stuff is really it's it's interesting to me but so many of the 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 controls of a car are always going to be like this kind of steampunk experience. Yeah, you no, know? Well, yeah. and I, th- I think the, I think that the ideal thing, I mean, and Tesla kind of does this, is having kind of the combination of both, having the tactile things right. for when you need it. But then there's certain experiences, like for instance, pairing your phone to your, you know, to your car for a lot of people is still a ridiculous process. Like just to get like, Terrible. you know, Bluetooth working and it's stupid and it should be simple and, and changing, you know, the station, you know, on programming your radio station. So you get into a new car and sometimes you're like, what am I even doing? You know, <laughs> it, it, they, they, the, they do such a terrible job with that sort of software stuff that I think that there's a lot of opportunities to make things interesting. And I think also when you are kind of, when we are kind of at this point where we're all on our phones so much and so many people do text and drive or use their phones and drive, which is idiotic and terrible, like having, an ability to like offset that stuff either or not let your notifications come through or like have you know ways integration so that you're not looking at your phone 
screen mm-hmm. that it's talking to you or being able to talk to it, I think is interesting. I mean, and I do think that as, you know, voice technology gets better and better, as nice as that satisfying click is, you know, to like to, to set your temperature in your car, it would be cool to also be like raise the temperature, you know, to two degrees. Mm-hmm. And that's intuitive Absolutely. in the same way as like being able to, I could be blindfolded in my car and know exactly where everything is, not right. so with my phone, but voice voice command is intuitive in that same very touch base way. That's such a good way of putting that. Yep. You, Brie, not me. Uh, <laughs> Don't put yourself down, Simone. Not putting myself that. down. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. yeah. So another thing. Oh, let me kick the mic stand. Another thing that was being shown off at CES was LG's 18-inch bendable display that Again. literally rolls up like a poster. Yeah, and you wrote about this. I, I was looking for articles about it on Mashable because you're like, oh, I wrote about that. And it... I found one from all of the last three years Yep, about bendable TVs. And I was like, yep. okay, okay. Yep. Um, but this specifically, it's like a millimeter thick and it um, it looks like a sheet of plastic. And right. it basically just rolls up like a poster. And apparently, I was reading the Verge's piece on it, they had the one that was functional under glass because they didn't want to let people use it. Because no, they of course not. Break it. And then, yeah, and then they had a one that was turned off that you could right. play with. you could play with. with. No, and that's the thing. I mean, this is why I – and I was kind of, you know uh, – I, I, I'm trying to remember how I put it in my thing. I was like, it's – it's. I, I, I linked to, like, all the past year stuff. I was like, oh, have you seen this before? In 20 – last year and the year before and the year before. Like, because it's one of those things, like, it, it's one of these great concepts for CES. This is one of those things that looks great, like – and can get a lot of press and it's amazing. Like, you're like, oh my God, I can roll up my TV. A, I'm not sure how practical that is. I could see some industrial um, uses for it, maybe more than like personal uses. But it's one of those things, they've been like promising this for years. And 18 months ago, they showed off something very, very similar with OLED that they promised that will be ready by 2017. And so now they're still mm-hmm. like saying that it's got a shot, but um, <laughs> yeah. It, what it, is, I mean, help me understand this. Um, uh, what was it? Was it, uh, there was some magazine a while back that had like their gimmicky, you know, flexible color yes. cover built into it. I mean, I, like the, the expanse is a show that's on TV. I'm watching it. I love it. And like the way that they show like the iPhone in that future is it's basically a, um, it's like a, a very thin piece of glass and stuff that's on it. I can understand that. I don't really understand the use case or the benefits of foldable, bendable technology. Mm, yeah. I, I just don't get I, it. So I think it's a couple of things. I think one, automobiles is one area where it could be really useful, right? When you're talking Why? about fitting Why? things. Well, because if you're looking at a dash or you're looking at a system where you're maybe wanting to put screens in places that are, are curved. Okay, could, that's could, legit. Yeah. Okay, there okay. we go. Full okay. circle back to the cars. So, 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 that, so that's one place. I can also see signage. Like if you're talking about, you know, displays, you know, that go at outdoor events or at, at, at outdoor thing, events, inter- internal events, like having something that can be even just for transport to be able to like transfer your signage to and from, that would be really useful. Um, so I, I, I could see some industrial things. Um, but yeah, I think from a practical standpoint for consumers, I don't think it matters. I mean, mm-hmm. I think that kind of how they sell this is that, you know, rather than tra- it would be one of those simple things where you wouldn't be bending it or rolling it all the time. You'd mostly be keeping it rolled out, but it'd be one of those things like, for instance, just even shipping like TVs to a Best Buy or from Amazon, mm-hmm. like, you know, if it comes in kind of like, you know, um, Casper, you know, mattresses come, you know. Um, yeah. So that they can kind of expand. If it comes something like that where you can roll it out rather than having to have this humongous, 
you know, because you, if you buy a TV at the store, like, you've got to, like, rent a car and do a whole – or if you have – you need to have a car, maybe have a truck, whatever, to, like, get it in the back seat. It'd be cool if you could just move it from one room to another or even, like, you know, move it from stocking shelves and stuff. Or it, if you're it, just stealing a bunch of TVs, you could just grab oh, an well, that's true too. tubes and just run out the door. Yeah, who knows how heavy they'll be. But, no, I mean, it, <laughs> it, um, we, we, we've seen, yeah, uh, these, like, rollable screen contact, uh, com, you know, things for years. And we've also seen them people saying with phones, oh, they'll roll up, they'll, 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 they'll you know, be, a, be foldable, pocketable, whatever. I'm kind of with you, Brie. I don't really see that ever kind of taking hold. But I do think it's interesting talking about how displays can get so much thinner. Um Again, not for TVs necessarily, but even when I think about wearables, because that's one of the first places we've seen kind of these bendable displays. And they've still been thick and kind of not great. But if you could think about if you could get it really that thin and you could have it powered well and you can uh, deal with the, the, the microprocessor and, frankly, the battery stuff that would be required on the other end, you could start doing some really interesting things with wearables um, from from a display standpoint that you're not able to now because you've got to have so much of a kind of a um, – you know, thick and and straight point. You yeah, know, I think. But LCD. what I'm getting, Sorry, like, yeah. when it's attached to things, like you're saying, if it's if you're wearing it on your hand, if it's on a car, if it's signage, it's attached to something. You and it is stationary. I think you're totally right because with phones, those are things that you know we're they're in our purses, they're lying on tables, they're in pockets. It's not satisfying to ha- to be looking for something that is rolled up, something that you have to unfold when you take it out. And like in the the solidity of a phone, when you hold it in your hand, is something that's really satisfying. So I think you're totally on point that where bendable screens can be really interesting. Interesting is where they are on something, on our bodies, for example. I I guess I would say this. I very clearly understand the use case and the benefits of curved glass and curved monitors. Like, you know, keeping up, like for instance, I have two 27-inch ACDs as mm-hmm. uh, you know, my engineering workstation. Right. I can't see the one on the far end as yep. well, and I have to like bend it towards me. So mm-hmm. like keeping, if I could keep all that data like equidistant from my eyeballs, no matter where I'm looking, that would be awesome. I understand that advantage. I can even look at something like, uh, you know, the Galaxy Edge, and you know, even though it produces glare, I I understand the appeal and the use of that. What I don't understand is like the 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 specific article that's going to be in our show notes. They are showing it off. It's very very bright and thin and bendable, and it, it bends. Mm-hmm. But if you take apart like a twelve inch MacBook. What you're going to find is everything in that MacBook is battery. It's the same thing with your (laughs) iPhone. So I don't understand what the use case is where you have something that's that thin and that bendable where there's also some something for battery there do you know Uh, no i totally agree with you now here's what would be interesting and again i don't know how you would do your battery stuff unless it was literally just you're able to kind of build in some sort of power source that that um is is kind of on the edges and and that it's that it's very power efficient and that what's happening instead is maybe like the screen the contents would be controlled by your phone wirelessly so your phone is is taking up most of the power and it's just kind of projecting the image or transferring the image over I don't know. I mean, you're, mm. you're still going to have some challenges with that. But yeah, I think you're dead on. I mean, it, it look, this is when we talk about concept cars, this is concept tech. And this is stuff that <laughs> they've been showing off for years and, and kind of promising this is the future because I think people like want to live in a world with Minority Report. But like even in Minority Report, it was more similar to kind of like floating iPads 
You know what I mean? And it was really super thin <laughs> yeah. displays that changed on demand. And I think that's something that eventually might happen more than like, let's fold it up because this makes sense. Like, I, I think that there are industrial <laughs> right. use cases. I think there are wearable use cases. But I'm with you. I don't see how this would work in a world where we still have so many problems with battery tech, which is, to me, one of those things we never talk about, which is the fact that we talk about, like, again, going back to cars, if car technology hasn't advanced in the last, you know, 15 years. Let's talk about battery technology, which really hasn't <laughs> yeah. advanced. And, and I, 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 I know this is unpopular and maybe I'm crazy for saying this, but I still contend that maybe the, it's going to take something like maybe like nuclear power to like get a breakthrough where we can actually get the sort of energy efficiency and the, and the smallness that we would need for batteries. And I know that the N word like scares the hell out of people, but at the same time, I'm like, I don't know what else we can do. Like we would need some sort of huge scientific breakthrough because look, the ion just isn't it's not it's not working uh, mm -hmm. we, we can't well, do any I, more than what I, we've done with it i i agree with you that the fears of nuclear power don't seem to be backed up by by facts if you if you look at that yep. but, um like over at mit um i i don't know the team personally but i've seen a lot of their their research uh have you seen some of these prototypes and the people that are working on like the phrase they use is like, uh, was it we, we tricity or something like that? Yeah. The idea is it was actually invented. It was a concept by Tesla a long time ago. with like broadcastable yes. power. It's very, very inefficient. And yes. as like the rest of the world is moving, thank God, more towards energy efficiency mm -hmm. and like our MacBooks and things. This is a huge inefficiency, but it is allowing uh, you to like broadcast power through basically uh, waves that are emanated. I mean, do you think that has any right. uh, possibility? Because I've never <sighs> seen it That's literally everything that I want. I, mean, I don't know anything about the science side of it, but yeah, get rid of cords for me. Thank you. Yeah. No, I mean, I think <laughs> it's a great idea. I don't know. I, I It can work in small doses. I don't know. My, my problem is I think that you can get that to like power something small that doesn't like, you know what I mean? Like you, but I, but I don't right, know if, if right. it's going to be good enough to, to power the devices that we require all the time. You know what I mean? Mm, right, like, yeah, right. like, like it might be able to do one, like it could do a phone 10 years ago, but I don't think it could do a phone today. And I don't know how long it'll be right. until it can generate enough power to actually do that. I think that's, I think that's the, the problem. We, we keep making processors more efficient and screens more efficient and other stuff, but what we're requiring of them is becoming greater too. So mm -hmm. I think that those ideas make sense. And there's a certain, you know, thing that that certainly I think um, can be kind of a, a stopgap to a certain extent, but I still feel like we're going to have to have some sort of fundamental breakthrough with battery technology um, that's going to have to be different I, than I that. Really agree with that. I, even Walt Morrisberg was saying the other day, like, he's like, I don't talk a lot about investment stuff. It seems to me anyone is talking about like battery technology would be a good thing to invest in because yeah. like that's what's holding us all back. And you're it right. Is. We do use the same technology today that we, we did in the nineties, but it's like, it's a space issue. I mean, yeah. because the way we do is like putting a charge in a cell. Like yep. there's only so like you can't exactly. pack electrons. Diminishing returns. No, you can't. I mean, well, unless you can't, you can't physically cram more no, in you there. Can't. I mean, that's <laughs> exactly. Just, so I mean, it's like, a, exactly. Yeah. I mean, which again is why I kind of mentioned nuclear because that's like the one thing I'm thinking is that if you were to pack those cells, you know what I mean? They would have a much longer half-life and like they, there, there'd be, it has the potential that it could do a lot more in, in smaller mm -hmm. spaces. So when will we see a very, very sexy concept battery? <laughs> That's what I want next year. Somebody, somebody get on that. Fingers crossed. This episode of Rocket is brought to you by Squarespace, where Woo! you can start building your website today at squarespace.com. 
And you should enter, when you do, the offer code ROCKET at checkout to get 10% off. Yep, when you want to build yourself a place to host your online presence, your online business, your, I don't know, photos of your three dogs whose hair you are selling in an app whose payment system is um, Braintree. When you make the website for those things, you want to do it easily, you want to do it quickly, you want no hassles, and Squarespace gives you the power to do that. They take away all the pain points that come with building a website, like figuring out hosting and scaling and what to do if you get stuck in the middle of building it. And they let you design the beautiful, perfect site that you want with however much customization you want too. They have beautiful templates for specific purposes and they also let you mess around with code and stuff. And so you can kind of get the look that you want for your online home. Um, And they also let you do cover pages, which is something that I find really interesting. We can just create the perfect one-page website to show off exactly what it is you are doing with your online presence. Squarespace has 24-7 support with live chat and email. They're always there to help you out if you need it. And they have a built-in commerce platform, so you can make a Squarespace store, again, for the dog hair that you're selling from your three beautiful, wonderful dogs. Um, Super easily. It's very simple. Uh, And their plans start at just $8 a month. If you sign up for a year, you will get a free domain name. Which lets you obviously choose exactly what you want your wonderful dog hair selling site to be called. So do go to squarespace.com today, immediately now. Start a free trial, no credit card required, and build yourself a fun little website. Check it out, see how much you absolutely love that entire process. And then when you're ready, sign up for Squarespace, use the offer code ROCKET and get that 10% off. Something cool happened today. Awesome. Oculus Rift started. Oh. It, it's available for pre-order, and you bought one. I saw your screen cap. I did. Okay, so so, so it's going to be six hundred yep. bucks. Everybody's freaking out yeah. about the price. Uh, why? What the frack? <laughs> why are they freaking what out about the, the price? Frack? What do they expect? What we the should be able to have you... virtual reality oh. for as much as it oh. costs to buy a PS4. Oh. It's like okay, okay. It's, I mean, seriously, like, why are people so upset about the price? What like, oh do my you God, expect? No this. I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I really don't know. And Ben Kuchera had a really good. Um, he talked to Palmer Lucky and published his piece on Polygon. And basically, Palmer Lucky explained it all because the the price point that had been being tossed around but was never confirmed was like three hundred, four hundred dollar range. Right, which, no. Yeah, that's no, that's no. as much as you know a, a PS4, which is how many three two three years old at this point. I should know two. that, but I don't remember. But basically, two. as they were developing it, they wanted to make it the most high quality. VR device that right. it could possibly be, which it should be because it is the first one that is coming to market. Um, not you know discounting Gear VR, which is out there, and yeah. Google Cardboard, which is not the same yeah. thing at all. No, and Gear uh, VR is not yeah. either because you've got to have a certain Samsung phone, and it only exactly. works certain apps, and it Gear the battery VR is ridiculous. Will make you throw up. Yes, it will. Yeah. Using it, I yes. know. And okay. that's the thing. Okay. Like we talked about, about this on go Gaming with the Moms to today. Off. Like if you're yeah. putting the first VR headset out there, you really don't want to make people nauseous like and that's kind of what we've all heard about vr is uh, it's cool but it could make you throw up and if you're going to put 
this device out there on the market. It needs to be at the highest quality that it could possibly yes. be in terms of frame rate, in terms of graphics, everything like and that. Also, so that's also, what they you're going to need at least like a minimum $1,200 gaming PC for this thing. So why are people yes. getting upset about it? It's like if you're <laughs> complaining about the $600 price point, then your PC is probably not good enough, which means you can't buy it anyway. Yeah. If right. you have a $1,200 PC, then probably spending $600 on this is Exactly. Nothing. This is my point. I don't understand the rage. Bree, go off. That the Samsung... Like if you want an edge, like a uh, VR gear, yeah, like your phone is gonna be six hundred dollars. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> Look, okay. Okay. Look, I I do understand that I work as an engineer, and I I really mean this. Like on Twitter, I talk to a lot of the social justice community. I understand that a lot of people are struggling financially. Okay. Like I understand wealth inequality is a really big problem, and I understand people are hurting. I understand that. At the same time, if you're Oculus, your number one concern is not making people sick. So that kind of getting latency very far down and making sure the resolution of the device is high enough that it's it, that you can't see individual pixels, that is the number one mission. There's a certain cost that is going to be associated with that level of hardware, period. And it's just the way that things are. How much was the iPhone when that came out? Was it eight hundred dollars? Yeah. If I'm remembering right, it was eight hundred dollars for the eight gigabyte, and it was like six hundred or seven hundred for the for the four gigabyte. And then they lowered right. the price a hundred dollars six weeks later. They did right, and, and then had to that. give people fifty dollars in, in Apple credit. But yeah, I mean they they understood that they probably priced that a little bit too high because and the one reason one reason I'll say they probably priced that a little too high. A, they lowered the price six weeks later. B, it was eight hundred bucks, and you still had to sign a two year contract with AT and T. Right. So, I mean, my point is, you know, this hardware cost yes, will exactly. come down. Of course it will. Oculus is the main people doing this at the moment. It will come down. But you've got to give them space to put exactly. out a quality experience because nothing else matters. No, I 100% I agree. Oh, and, and I just also oh. feel like, you know, game consoles, we're used to spending what, what they cost when they come out. And it's not that different from 600 bucks. And it's an early adopter thing, too, where you don't know if the games are going to be great, if it's going to really work out or if it's not, you know, because we've seen, you know, Sony and Microsoft go back and forth on that where, you know, the, the 360 cycle 360 was better than the PS3 and now PS4 is, you know, better than the Xbox One and, and uh, for, for a lot of people. And, and, and it kind of goes back and forth and it takes time to build those things up. But I think you're dead on. I mean, it costs money and I don't think that, to their credit, it was other people, I think, kind of putting the, the this is what it'll cost thing in their um, um words for their mouths and and they never promised that this would be the most affordable thing ever yeah like they never you know, like th that's not what today, this is going to be a year from today like when playstation vr is out and the htc5 yeah. uh, if it, when that's out as well, well like it'll be a HTC totally different market yeah no exactly prices. Yeah. Well, well, that's exactly it. It, it. it. A year from now, it'll be a very different thing. But they're coming out now, not a year from now. Yeah. They're finally coming out. And they're out. first. They're so first. they get to do what they want. They, they do. And and I also think that it's worth noting that if you back them on Kickstarter, you're going to get it for free. Mm -hmm. If you backed at the $275 build your own level yes. or the uh, $300 um, DK1 yeah. level, I think. Right. I don't which, remember what they're which, called. I mean, but yeah. I, I thought that's so really solid. Yeah, say, that's really cool. That's a big I, value. I, I don't think that's cool. And I'll tell you why. Ah. I, okay, so you know, here in Boston, there is a very specific VC house that's working with Tim Schaefer, and the idea is 
Um, if you invest in a project in Kickstarter, someone can go and make a really large company. So you're essentially funding someone's yes. startup and you have no equity of stake course. in it, right? Yeah. So Oculus is a company that was bought out by Facebook. And, $3 billion, you know, yeah. And, and yeah, they got a lot of money from that. And those Kickstarters did not get any equity, which no, is fine and moral. That's what they signed up for. Exactly. But... I have to say, it's like, it's like, hey guys, thanks for like helping all of us <laughs> millionaires. Uh, we're gonna give you this free six hundred dollar thing. Well, sure, uh, but the thing oh, is, right? Yeah. Well, and I understand what you're saying, but at the same, but, yeah. but at the same time, they didn't have to do that at all. No, they didn't. They already yeah. got. They already cool. got the DK one. Okay, they already got right. their prototype. That's what they paid for. And Kickstarter, let's sure. be real, most people don't treat it as an investment. They treat it as no, pre no, ordering no. a mm-hmm. product, right? right? And and right. and so they got what they pre ordered. The company went on and sold, and that's great. They didn't have to go and, and give the 7,000 people or whatever those things. And so I think that's kind of cool. I mean, I'm I, with you. It, it is kind of... It kinda... is cool. It is cool. My point is, like, I've only seen positive press about it. I'm saying if you kind of take a bigger view of it, oh, there's, there's... absolutely. But right. that's fair. Yeah. But, to uh, me, I looked at this as, like, well, that seems like a <laughs> consolation thing prize. To do. But what is a consolation prize? Not consolation. Prize. It seems like a decent step of action given yeah. the, the 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 stratosphere that this company has launched into, thanks to these backers. So it, it seems thanks in part to the backers. Yeah, right, I mean, you right, know, I think it was yeah. also the technology making its way work and other stuff. I mean, they ended up raising mm-hmm. so yeah. much money more than they expected. I mean, and in fairness to them, I mean, you know, they they tried the typical VC method and it didn't work. And and I think a lot of people were were hesitant until even the the, the Kickstarter stuff. Like it was really like it was who they hired. And then when we started seeing real prototypes, and we started going, this is really yeah. like this is this is the real deal or has the potential to be the real deal. I mean, I'm with you. I mean, it. It's, it's 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 little. I mean, I'm sure all those people would much rather have equity in in Oculus <laughs> when it's sold. But since that was wasn't the terms they signed up for, I think it's cool that they're saying, "Hey, you know, a couple years later, we haven't forgotten about our roots that we did start on Kickstarter because mm-hmm. they're off, they're because to me, I mean, well, not even to me. I think that this is just categorically true. They are the biggest success story in Kickstarter history and probably always will be because I don't see any other company selling for three billion dollars that yeah, started yeah. on Kickstarter. Can can we also note that the Virtual Boy, like if you adjust the the price point, oh, but that was terrible uh, from nineteen ninety four dollars yes. into into oh today's God. dollars, what a piece like of it's that. half the price of an Oculus. Yes, so, like let's look at the technology. <laughs> this is so true. Although you know, I bought mine. You're getting. I yeah. bought mine for nineteen dollars. Oh, yeah, brand mine. new. I, yeah. Oh, I, I don't. Really? I, yeah, brand it was new? brand new. Wow. This, well, this was in nineteen ninety eight. So I got it for, wow. for 20 bucks at an electronics boutique or, or, or software, et cetera, I can't remember. And then I got a bunch of games, most of them import games, for like $2, $3 a piece. And um, and so this was like, maybe it was 97. It was 97. So it was like, you know, within within two years of its release and and its total failure. And uh, oh. and, and I, I just, I scored, um, no, it was 96. It was Christmas of 96. So it was like a little over a year after it came out. And it was like the day after Christmas, probably one of my best like day after Christmas finds ever. That and also for twenty dollars one year, I got a Graphics sixteen from Toys R Us, um, and a bunch of games when they were clearing those out. So yeah, I remember I got a Blockbuster because like they were just getting rid of all the, oh, yeah. the virtual boy <laughs> stuff. And I'm like, yes, five dollars for Red Alert, oh, five dollars exactly. for Wario. Like yeah, I had all these weird <laughs> Japanese games, like these weird Japanese sports games and stuff. And I'm like, I do not understand what it is saying and how the controls work. And I cannot play this game for more than five minutes before my head starts hurting so badly I get a migraine. <laughs> so so I have to say, like I I really do understand the the tendency of people to 
to look at these experiences from from a consumer point of view, right? Mm-hmm. Like that that makes a lot of sense. And we run into this in isometric all the time, mm-hmm. where um, you know Steve, because he's a a consumer and not a developer, he he does tend to look at it from that point of view. But I think what I disagreed with with um, odd, um you know the the piece over at the Verge today, uh, where you know uh, oh. How do you say her name? Is it Adi Adi Robertson? I believe so. I think it's Adi. Yeah, Adi Roberts. Adi Robertson. You know, she was really critiquing this because it was like a something for like she's saying, "Oh, this is the the game device for the one percent," and you know they put VR off for everyone. And I love her writing on VR; like it's consistently the best in the entire industry. And I just didn't agree with this because. Like, there is the consumer point of view, but there is also protecting the field as a whole and helping it go forward. So there's a, a market for all of us, for games yep. for this, 10 mm-hmm. years from now. So you can't just look at this from, like, this really quick step. You know, you Agreed. need to think, like, are we putting out a very, very good experience for, for normal people that is really going to get most people excited about where we're going Mm -hmm. so we do have people putting out lower cost products you know uh, other things to kind of get this um you know this ecosystem set up i think that is really the mission objective they really do have the obligation to make sure that this is a success because everyone is watching them and you know i i never i don't think it would even be possible for it to be put out at a at a price point that say someone like me could afford and i'm not I'm not upset about that. I didn't expect any less than this, basically. So, and I, like, I'm excited. I I can't wait to hopefully try the the version that eventually comes to market. Because I mean, last time I tried it at PAX, it was really awesome. There were things that I absolutely loved about it, and then there were also experiences that I had in you know games where I was moving around in first person where I felt quite ill. And yep. so I want to see you know what they've improved on since the DK two came out. Like. I'm super, super pumped for what will be possible with this. Yeah. I, I'm eager. Well, I'm, I'm eager to go make things be possible. Yeah. 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 That's, what, <laughs> well, that's I mean, why I got mine. So No, yeah. and I, think, I think that that's what's really exciting about this is that they've had the developer kits out and people have used them and have done some cool things with them. But I think actually having this as a final product, I'm actually glad that they're, you know, to, to your to your point, Brie, I'm glad it seems like they're doing this the right way. They're not just wanting to be the most affordable, easy way play thing. They're, they're saying we've, we've got to have it at this price point, like you were saying, you know, to, to make sure it's good. Because that is the only way this thing is going to actually take off is is if mm-hmm. there's quality stuff in the in the ecosystem because if you've got junk out there then nobody's going to be able to create good stuff for it yeah yeah i have to say and you know just to be honest like i look at microsoft hololens it's also going to be a very premium expensive product mm-hmm. not really expensive if you consider the amount of hardware in there and like everything you got with the experience but i mean this is, you know, I, I think people don't understand this because they see their phone and they're just like, well, my phone's got a screen on it. Why does this have to be so expensive? <laughs> I mean, graphically, it has to redraw something yep. at 60 frames a second minimum, minimum for each of your eyes. Like, think about that. That is what engineers call non-trivial. That is a really, really high threshold to go through. And on top of that, the resolution needs to be so sharp that you can't make out individual pixels, which does add to nausea. So, I mean, you know, like this is, it's, this is hard because it's the future, right? <laughs> like, so I, I don't know. I, I would say if 
you know, you can't, if this is not something that is at a price point where you feel comfortable with it, just wait a year or two. Yeah. You know, the software is going to be better. We're going to figure out UI stuff. You know, it, it will come down in price. But, you know, for the time being, this is the right call. And it's worth saying, like, as Oculus said today, they are making no money off this hardware. They are just trying to develop a, an ecosystem in a, mm-hmm. a consumer marketplace for this stuff. So be patient. Yeah. Wait for Black Friday 2017. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> totally. Yeah, for $20. For $20. Are you kidding me? It'd be so exciting. That'd be so great. Yeah. It's going to be great. Oh, I'll pick one up at Value Village. All right. Cool. So, Christina, what are you up to this week? Well, I'm I'm a I'm not at CES, uh, as you can tell by the fact that I'm doing this podcast. Um, but a lot of my colleagues are, and so I've just been editing stuff, writing some stories. I'm actually thinking about writing a story tomorrow about how I think the real unsung hero and the real like winner of CES every year is the appliance industry. Because I would love to, to me, read that. the most interesting stuff that comes out is always with appliances, which is like fridge camera fridge yeah camera. oh my god i love the fridge cam and i love the the samsung smart fridge too but there's always these super smart things like like you know like the the um washer dryer one year was like my favorite thing that i saw at all of ces like where there's like a sink built into the washing machine which was so smart because like you never know when you need to rent something out and then like you know wash it or whatever like mm-hmm. it, when you're doing your laundry like they're just there there are these sorts of innovations that happen with appliances that you don't expect um and, and it's the only time in the whole year i can get excited about appliances so i think i'm gonna be running that <laughs> Um, and, uh, yeah. Cool. Can we talk about the automatic drink machine appliance that came out? Uh, there yes. was an article about this in The Verge. Oh yes. my God. So I want one so this badly. This has like six, I don't even drink and it's I It's like 400 one. bucks and like, I'm, or it's like not that expensive, like for what it is. No, it's, it's like explain, $400. Explain to me this thing because okay, you're so saying drinking and I'm like, yes. It's like $400 and yep. six canisters on the side of it. Yep. And there's different like alcohol a, and mixed a plethora of of drinks that you it'll can make, make your own so... custom cocktail you press a button and it will make right. you like the cosmopolitan of your dreams what yes what yeah do i so you like load it up with different liquors and stuff and then like as if it were a vending machine or something and then yeah you, and you kind can put of, yeah. bitters in the top of it and okay all this kind of stuff i'm down so, yeah i'm in yeah yeah I, I, i've got my checkbook out i'm ready <laughs> Yeah, no, uh, it, it looks and, and it looks really cool too. Like uh, uh, Sarah, our food reporter, like wrote it for like her like future like drinking like tech gadgets. Um, yeah, um, uh, they, back over like in November or something, and because it started on Kickstarter or Indiegogo, I think, and and I but I knew that they were showing off at CES. I want one like hardcore. Yeah, that looks cool. The the beer, I don't drink beer, uh, but like they had a, a thing that will automatically brew beer in your fridge for you. They have yeah. one for wine. Um, so yeah, oh. there was a lot of drinking technology at CES this year. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be a good Christmas. Okay. I, we're going to pitch in and get you one, Simone, next year. You missed this year. That's all I want. Thank you. Now we know. All right. All right. Or Brianna, what are you up to this week? What am I up to this week? I am bacon light like Chef Boyardee. That's what I'm doing. I'm tearing up lights in my game and uh, and relighting all my sets and uh, getting ready to get Rub 60 out the door, which I'm very excited about. I have to tell you guys, like, look, I, I realize that getting feedback is and critique is part of the job, 
But I just can't help but laugh. Like, I, I looked at a Twitter account today, and somebody was, like, yelling at me. They're like, oh, your colors are too bright. I just don't <laughs> like them. And then I looked at what this person was saying uh, when we did the iOS launch. It's like, oh, your colors are too dull. I just don't. <laughs> and I'm like, like what does Make it up your mind. Like, yeah. It's like, you just can't win. So that, I, I, I don't know. I res- yeah. If that's the hill that that person has chosen to die on is the exact okay perfect brightness that. Of color. I'm okay with that. Yeah. yeah. Power to you. <laughs> but, you know, it really bothers me. Like, if you look at a game like Modern Warfare or, hell, even Halo, Ugh. like, look at it. It is so much brown and gray. Because when you look around, like, real life, you're going to see a lot of colors that are brown and gray. And they're going for a more realistic style. I want, like, a super stylized color like awesome style like we remember gem because of like the bright colors mm-hmm, of it mm-hmm. right so i i don't care we're going all all neony and your retinas are going to bleed and it's going to be awesome so I that's what i'm working on agree with you as a person who awesome. is always boosting the saturation and contrast of my yeah. photos on instagram there yes, you go you're no, going down really, the right road Think about it, like, if you uh, play Mario's, like, one of the best games that's come out in the last decade is Super Mario 3D Land on the Wii U. Mm-hmm. Look at the way that they color Mario and Princess Peach and all the stages in that game. So they, they have materials, and they baked this little bit of emissive into every single one of the texture maps. So it glows just a bit, and it's self-lit. Like, they have a little bit of dynamic shadows down on the ground. But generally speaking, everything is, like, emitting its own color. It's bright and super pleasing. It just, it's like a world that you want to live in. I did not know that. That's really cool. But that's, like, that's, I don't understand why more games don't make that choice. I just don't get it. So, yeah. sorry. Yeah, yeah. I I am working on things for Pixelkin and Remeshed, getting back into the swing of putting up videos, and I am yeah. yes, I I'm I'm really happy to be back in the office. It's great. So, and I'm putting together a demo reel finally, which is something I should have done a year ago. But what, what do you mean by that? Like a, a job hunting demo reel? Yeah, yeah, for video production stuff. Which, yeah, it's been really fun. I'm quite enjoying it. It's really nice to like, look back through all my stuff and see how you know what I've done in the last year, last couple of years. Well, I'm not using anything from a couple of years ago because screw that. But just in the last year, it's been really cool. So, yeah, that's what I'm up to. Awesome. Awesome. I got to go watch uh, okay, Making of a Murderer, guys. Yeah. Oh, my God. I need to watch that. Okay. Good. So good. It's so depressing, good. It is. But, oh, my God. Yes. I love to die. So <laughs> looking forward to it. The dump bump. Mm. thank you for listening to this episode of rocket if you liked it please leave us a rating on itunes uh leave some leave a review if you feel like doing that that would be really cool um and see you next week terminated 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 terminated